cross. In today's culture, we have become so politically correct, we dare not offend anyone. Jesus spoke the truth in love, and the self-righteous and proud were offended by him right and left. Today, the most often quoted verse in Christendom is, Thou shalt not judge thy brother. For all practical purposes in most churches, the words Satan, sin, and hell have been removed from our vocabularies. We emphasize God's love and his grace and his mercy, but we don't talk about his holiness and his righteousness or his judgment. We have become desensitized by the world. The world has made the idea of Christianity and the idea of holiness as utter nonsense. The things that are shown on television today are an abomination to everything that is good and right and holy and true and virtuous and excellent. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. In Luke 14.27, Jesus said, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We cannot appreciate what happened at the cross without understanding the holiness of God. Because God is holy, he hates sin. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He dwells in unapproachable light, and he cannot bear to even look upon sin. Nowhere is God's holiness more evident than at the cross of his Son. If you want to know how God feels about sin, look at the cross. That was the day that the perfect, blameless, sinless Lamb of God was slain. That was the darkest day in the history of the universe. At high noon, darkness came upon the land for three hours, as if creation itself was mourning, reflecting what was happening in the spiritual realm. There was darkness. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. As Mary and John and others helplessly watched as Jesus was beaten beyond recognition, stripped naked and nailed to the cross, when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he had already endured the whipping post of forty lashes minus one with a Roman cat and nine tails. Called that because the whip was made of nine thongs, each weighted with a lead pellet for impact. His back, arms, and legs had been torn open by this whipping. And when nailed to the cross, his torn open back against the wood would have caused even more bleeding and more pain. 
but a crown of thorns was also pushed down into his scalp by the soldiers. Another terrible source of pain. Pain in his head, back, hands and feet, nailed to the cross. He wasn't unable to move. He was unwilling to move. It wasn't the nails that held Christ to the cross. It was his love for you and for me. But there was more. Because sin came upon him from all time of all the world. And the curse of sin of all mankind was placed upon him. He would have to push up from his nailed feet to take a breath. That effort would further rip his back on the cross, his lungs filled with fluid, and every breath would mean more pain. A nail through his right hand, and a nail through his left hand, and a nail through his feet. And finally, after he died, they drove a spear into his side just to make sure he was dead. Some ask, where was God when Adolf Hitler killed six million innocent people? Where was God when those high school students were shot to death at Columbine High School? Where was God on 9-11? Well, I know the answer to that question. He was in the same place he was when his son suffered and died on the cross. He was on his throne. God must let sin run its course so that when it's over, no one will ever question his right to rule the universe ever again. What happened at the cross of Jesus Christ? Prophecy was fulfilled. The cross was no accident. In Revelation 13, 8, we learn that Jesus Christ was the Lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. And as early as the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned and tried to cover their shame with a fig leaf, God provided an animal and that animal was killed and the blood was shed and Adam and Eve had to be shocked because they'd never seen blood or death. The Passover typified the cross in the book of Exodus when the Hebrews had been delivered from 400 years of slavery, a picture of slavery to sin. They were told to take the blood of a lamb and paint the sign of the cross over the doorposts of their houses so that the angel of death would pass over them. The pierced hands and the pierced feet of Psalm 22, written a thousand years before crucifixion was even invented. Psalm 34 said none of his bones would be broken. Psalm 69 said they'd give him gall and vinegar. And the suffering servant of Isaiah 53, 700 years before Christ went to the cross, the prophet gave a stunningly detailed description 
of how Christ would suffer on the cross. All these and many more prophecies pointed to the cross. In Acts chapter 2, speaking of Psalm 1610, we read, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your presence. The law of sin and death was also satisfied at the cross. God said to man, if you sin, you shall surely die. And the wages of sin is death. In Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. He was speaking of his death on the cross. The law demanded death. The whole point of the Old Testament was God's plan of redemption through the blood sacrifice. The sacrificial system of ancient Judaism provided the world with 1,500 years of literal, historical, and theological context. So when John the Baptist came along, and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This would all make sense. Justice and mercy converged at the cross. In Psalm 85.10, it says, Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed. It's because of the cross that God can legally forgive a sinner without compromising his justice. How, you say? In order for a Savior to save you, since the penalty of sin is death, he'd have to be sinless and die for you. That's precisely what Jesus did. So the scales of justice and mercy can balance. It all makes sense. I'm not so amazed that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm more amazed that he could have died in the first place. All men die because all men sin no matter how they die. But Jesus was sinless. How could he have died? 
Second Corinthians chapter 5 provides the answer. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The cross is where the greatest exchange in the history of the world took place when he became sin for us. In Matthew 27, 50, we read Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The cross is the key that opens the door that gives us full and complete access to God. We are no longer separated from God by sin. We can approach the throne of God with confidence and even boldness to find grace and mercy in our time of need. Colossians 1.20 says, Through his death, we are presented holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Psalm 103.12, speaking of our sin, says, As far apart as east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The cross is the ultimate demonstration of God's love for you. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said greater love has no man than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. Jesus said love your enemies. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. If he takes your shirt, give him your coat, too. Jesus said, love your enemies, but he didn't just say, love your enemies. He said, love your enemies. And when his enemies nailed him to the cross, naked, they were mocking and spitting and laughing. And he was in excruciating, unfathomable pain. It was at that point when Jesus said to his Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This selfless, compassionate love so transcended human experience. The thief on the right had a revelation he realized Jesus was who he claimed to be. He was divine. This was no ordinary man. So he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. You will not find this kind of love in any other religion, philosophy, or system of thought. the ultimate demonstration of God's selfless humility is realized at the cross. In Philippians 2.8, it says, Being found in appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He died a criminal's death even though he was sinless. The whole idea of Jesus' crucifixion was that it was for others. It wasn't for his benefit. He was sacrificing himself for the sake of other people. And his last words were, It is finished. Those words could have been just as accurately translated, Paid in full. There's nothing you can add and nothing you can subtract from the finished work of Christ on the cross. God purchased our salvation with his own blood. In Matthew 10:38, Jesus said, He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. What are we to die to? Well, we're to die to the world. We're not to put our hope in this world because this world is passing away. That word world is a code word for godlessness. Many people love the world and the things of the world, but this world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. In Matthew 16, 26, Jesus asks, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll love one and hate the other, or hate one and love the other. But you cannot love God and money. You can't love God and the world. Love the God who created the world. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're to be dead to sin. Romans 6 asks, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? 1 Peter 2, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. We're to be dead to self. Self-will is the essence of sin. Jesus was selfless. Before he went to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, not my will, but thy will be done. The first sin in the universe was when Lucifer said, I will exalt myself above the throne of God. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That is when Lucifer became Satan. Lucifer meant the light one, and Satan means the accuser. 
the first sin on earth was a violation of the same principle. It was covetousness driven by pride as Adam and Eve wanted to be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. D.L. Moody once said, The one man that has given me more trouble than any other man is D.L. Moody. Our greatest problem is self. We're to be dead to pride. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Selfishness is driven by pride. There's the pride of power and fame and fortune. It's pride. Pride is the reason so many people are not satisfied with their homes, always wanting more. Pride is why many people feel entitled to more. Pride is why people won't say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. It's pride that causes men to mistreat their wives, and it's pride that causes wives not to respect their husbands. Pride is why people pretend to be closer to God than they really are. Pride is why people spend money they don't have to buy things they don't need. Pride is why people won't forgive. It's why people refuse to admit when they're wrong. It's why people won't ask for help. Pride is why people don't give. Pride is why many are addicted to the need for approval. Pride says life is lived best by looking out for number one. That's the problem in our world. Selfishness, covetousness, and pride. Lust, greed, and pride. Pride is why people who identify themselves as Christians are afraid to share the gospel with lost people. They're afraid of what other people will think or say. Jesus said, how can you believe if you seek the praise of men, but do not seek the praise that comes from the only God? Pride is like cancer. Oftentimes you don't know you have it until it's too late or there's a problem. The cross is the defining moment in history. 2,000 years ago, a real historical person came to this planet and had such a profound impact on this world by what he said and by what he did that the world marks time by the cross, by his life. The cross is where the absolutes of life and death converged. In John 12, Jesus said, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who loses his life will keep it for eternity. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my Father will honor. The cross is where perfect justice and perfect mercy were reconciled. 
the cross is where heaven and hell and good and evil met together for six hours. The cross is how God can redeem a sinful man without compromising his justice. And when he bowed his head as if to humble himself one last time, it was as if he honored us with his gift. His arms were extended as if to welcome and embrace all who would come in faith and repentance. His whole body was open and laid bare for our redemption. And no one, however weak, is denied a share in the victory of the cross. No one is beyond the help of the prayer of Jesus. His prayer brought benefit to the multitude that raged against him. How much more does it bring to those who turn to him in childlike faith? Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here now. Repent. Change your mind. Turn around. Go the other way. Stop living as if God did not exist and believe what he says. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Someday soon, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God. I beg you, if you don't know Jesus, be reconciled unto God. Atheism is nothing but a crutch for those who cannot bear the thought of identifying themselves with Jesus Christ and admitting that they're sinners. It's all based on lust, greed, and pride. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Those who lead the many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever and ever. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, God says, You shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with all of your heart and all of your soul. God is not far from any of us. Seek him while there is still time. Before it's too late, this world is perishing, but the kingdom of God endures forever. I beg you, be reconciled unto God. Turn from your sin and receive Christ and be saved. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name.
so be it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this message.